if God went to the effort to put life here, might he have done it somewhere else? And as I look through scripture, I don't find a clear answer to that. My suspicion is probably not, but it wouldn't surprise me if he did. But at the end of the day, it just looks like there's a designer who put it here. And, and again, if there's a designer who put it here, then the relevant question is, did that designer put it somewhere else also? So, you know, very, very people who are very much antagonistic towards Christianity, often by being around Christians who can interact and engage with them, they do. They're, that's, that's the mechanism God used to, to persuade them and draw them into the faith. This is the Charisma Connection. I'm Steve Green on the Charisma Podcast Network. We've got an interesting show for you today. I'm really excited about it. We're going to try to answer this question, is there life out there? I've been asking that since I was five or six. I've been very interested in the science side of it, but not interested enough to do what our guest author has done, and that's go to school in it and get a bunch of degrees. We're going to be visiting with a Ph.D. in high-energy astrophysics. Now, I want to tell you, I took astrophysics, and it required high energy. So we're going to welcome our author into the studio with us now by way of telephone, Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff Zwernick. And what an interesting guy, and what an interesting degree. So welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. Green. It's good to be here today. Well, you've written a fascinating book. I wish I understood most of it. But I, I guess oh, that's, that's not good to hear. I was hoping well, it was understandable. No. Oh, it is understandable. I'm playing with you. Good. So tell me, first of all, I got to go get real fascinating down to the lowest level. Why would a guy major in high energy astrophysics? I know you're smart. We know that. But you got this high intellect that most people can't understand. So, and, and it was in Iowa. Didn't you go to Iowa State or Iowa? I did. I did. I went to Iowa State University. And well, so so I, I just have always been interested in how things work. And when I got to school, physics is one of those great disciplines to study how that works. And then mm-hmm. I got a chance to figure out and study black holes and neutron wow. stars and dark matter. I thought, hey, I'll take that. So it's just been fun more than anything. Well, if you grow up in Iowa, there's cornfields and stars, I guess. And you're going to pick one. That is true. Never mind. <laughs> that was a really bad joke. But at the same time, I respect your knowledge. Obviously, I'm a terminal degree in my field. And I respect school and the hard work you did to get there, and you must have done a lot of study to get to the study. As we call PhDs, we study more and more about less and less, get very finite in our study. So, no, you know, really it is true. I, I agree with that. You study a lot, and you're very well-versed in one area, but it does take work to understand what's going on in a lot of other areas. What was your dissertation in? My dissertation was in uh, these very high-energy gamma rays from a particular object called Markarian 421. And this was the second object that we detected in this high energy, the gamma rays. And so we were just trying to figure out what the gamma rays could tell us about the object itself. Okay, how do you do that study? Is it all mathematical uh, well, observation? Yeah, there's a, there's a telescope down in uh, Arizona that I worked on, and uh, spent about six months down there running the telescope and taking data and fixing it up, and then just spent a lot of time working on computers analyzing the data to see, you know, are there the gamma rays? Do they go up and down in intensity? And if so, what does that tell us about how they're produced and what the object is that we're looking at? Wow. So just spent a lot of time doing that. So here's the question. It was, I guess, the cover of your book, Is There Life Out There? 
You know, I don't know the answer to that. I know that when we look at life here on Earth, it points to there being a creator who put it here. And mm-hmm. so to me, the big question as a Christian is, if God went to the effort to put life here, might he have done it somewhere else? And as I look through Scripture, I don't find a clear answer to that. Right. My suspicion is probably not, but it wouldn't surprise me if he did. It just seems like he did what he did where he did it, you know, and done. But I have no science. There's nothing that points either direction for me. Well, so so I've, I run into two kinds of ways of thinking about that. One is there's a group of people who look and say, you know, well, what does it take for there to be life? Well, you got to have the elements, so carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, and oxygen. And those are the most abundant elements in the universe, but they're also the most abundant elements in life. Mm-hmm. And we found planets outside our solar system, and there's really probably billions and hundreds of billions of Earth-sized planets in our galaxy. And so given that the universe is friendly to life in that sense, perhaps there's life out there. Yes. But there's also a lot of things that say, well, maybe there isn't life out there. I mean, you look at the design behind the genetic code and all of the conditions that must be met for life to exist. And you could say, well, no, there there really shouldn't be life. But at the end of the day, it just looks like there's a designer who put it here. And, and again, if there's a designer who put it here, then the relevant question is, did that designer put it somewhere else also? So isn't it kind of arrogant of me, me, myself, and me, to think that we're the only people on Earth or, or in this universe would be what he put here? Is that arrogant? Well, it can be. And again, I guess it kind of depends. You know, if, if, if as a Christian I'm saying, well, God couldn't do anything else, I think that would be arrogant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think you can put together a pretty strong case that when you say, all right, what does life require? I mean, it requires, obviously, a place where there's liquid water. It requires a place where there's carbon, abundant carbon. But, you know, so that means a certain kind of planet. But that planet, when we look at what's happened here on Earth, from the moment Earth was formed, the temper or the, the the brightness of the sun has increased uh, almost a factor or you know fifty percent from that brightness. The planet has gone from a place with no free oxygen to abundant free oxygen. Mm-hmm. There went from a place where there was no land to an abundance of land, and from very little life to an abundance of life. And in all of those dramatic changes that could have very easily made Earth uninhabitable, it has maintained this remarkable habitability. And so, you know, that's you've got plate tectonics, and you've got cosmic rays, and you've got asteroid impacts, and you've got life, and you've got volcanoes Uncle. and earthquakes. Uncle. All of these things, yeah. <laughs> so all of those things play together just to make life here. And so I think it may be that we're the only life in the universe. Well, it could be. And obviously scientists like you are, are born to figure these things out and to study it. And I guess I, I'm really trying to get to the core of the average uh, Bible reading Christian believers, what would they get from your book? What's the takeaway you think they'll end up with? Well, I think they'll they'll get two things. One is that when we look at what God has done to produce life her, here on Earth, there's just an abundance of evidence that points to there being a Creator. You know, you got the design of things, you just got the how well life operates and the the way the chemistry works. So there's the science behind all that that I think is fascinating. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that I think is equally, if not more important, is that it helps the Christian really understand what Christianity is about. Because the idea that life life being out there, that's been around for a long time. It's not something just because we've got telescopes and 
can start looking, now we're asking those questions. Christians have been asking these questions for a long time, and by studying it, it helps us understand our theology or how God created and interacts with us better, and that Mm -hmm. equips us to go out and share the gospel better. That's good. And the fact is that we have a lot of young people in ministries that are going to ask these questions, and an educated response is, is probably better than just simply, well, that's just something you have to faith out. You know, and expect kids to just get there on their own faith. Absolutely. I think the more we can provide reasonable explanations and to help people, especially Christians, understand what Christianity has to say, that's going to strengthen their faith. And and that's what I found in writing this book, is that I I came away without a definitive answer as to whether there's life out there. But as I studied it, my conviction and strength of my faith that God is who He says He is has grown by leaps and bounds by doing the investigation and figuring out what I needed to do to be able to write the book well. Well, you've done it a, a good job of that. I, I wonder, I think I read somewhere that you've, you call yourself an apologetics uh, as it relates to science, that you've got a, an apologetics view of a lot of the things that we study. That's right. And, and you know, I, I'm just one of those people who likes to think about how do things work and how does that all fit together? And so, I'm not saying I've got to have everything answered in order to, you know, to to believe something, but there are places where it really does need to make a little bit of sense, and I think that's because that's because God has designed things so that they do make sense. And so that idea of pursuing the answers and figuring out what the reasons, and then being able to articulate them to other, that's uh, I've enjoyed being a part of that work, and I want to encourage other people to to get excited about that as well. Well, so what are you studying now? What's out there for you? So, th- so there's uh, another question. Uh, kind of the next book I'm thinking or working on writing is just asking the question. Uh, you know, d- does our universe have a beginning? Uh, you know, that seems to be one of those foundational Christian doctrines that mm-hmm. God created the universe out of nothing. And so, just looking at what does science have to say about that? Does that uh, add weight or, or affirm that the Bible's description of creation is right or not. And so I'm looking at that, but I also have this uh, one, one that I'm kind of looking at a little longer term, is I like to do a lot of computer programming. And so the idea of artificial intelligence uh, is something that fascinates me. And so I'm looking at writing a book on, will we ever be able to make artificially intelligent beings, and what would that mean, and mm-hmm. how would that impact Christianity? Well, there's sure a lot of study in the AI field. I, I pick up a lot of different types of books. I see so much of it uh, as we're defining AI right now and the ability to reason. And that's where we start wondering if, if machines can reason, what does that mean for the future? What's that going to look like? Right. Well, and to me, the big question is, you know, there, there's one thing between being able to reason but I think one of the key characteristics of humanity, at least as described by the Bible, is that we're made in God's image, that mm-hmm. we have an awareness that there's something beyond us, but also that we can relate to, uh, you know, we're aware of who we are and how we relate to that being that's beyond us. And, you know, so that, that to me is one of the central questions in this whole discussion of artificial intelligence, is are they actually self-aware beings like we are, or are we just going to find, make things that can compute and do analysis really well, which is related, but a different, different, mm-hmm. that's not sentient in my mind. So. Well, we can't beat uh, computer programs in chess any longer. The grandest grandmaster can't beat the best computer. That's, that's right. Uh, you know, and, and we've, we've taught the computers how to 
to win at that game. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's even more advanced games where uh, even some of the intuition, the computers can develop that. But right. is that even with all bites? that, there's... I'm sorry. What's that? Well, is that by bits and bytes, though, the, the digital on-off switch? Is that what's going on behind it? Or have they learned to reason uh, when we... Well, th- that's what's kind of going on, is that when you're teaching a computer how to win at chess, the way their approach, the way a computer approaches chess is very different than the way a human approaches chess. And so, you know, you can, you can ask, is that sentient, or is it just really they've got better computing power, and so they can do some of the rudimentary things we do, but just do them faster and better. And so these are the sorts of questions that I find very interesting in that discussion of artificial intelligence. And, and really, you're going back to the question of, is there life out there? You know, if we were to discover other kinds of life, what would that tell us about how we are, who we are, and how we fit in with God's mm-hmm. redemptive plan that's here good. on earth? And so I think that's, that's, as Christians think about these things, these are the questions that people are asking. And so if we have answers and can engage that conversation, that gives us a great opportunity to spread the gospel. Right. Isn't it amazing that in science fiction books, movies, uh, uh, TV shows, that people from somewhere else, another planet, some alien is always smart and it's like spouting computer formulas and uh, speaking smarties. There there very much is this tendency to think that there's obviously some better way to have life out there. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one thing, you know, going back to your question, is there life out there? You know, I could very easily see that the answer to that question is that when you're talking about life in this universe that has some sort of ability to replicate, you know, there's some sort of biological mechanism behind life, that really human life is about as good as it could possibly be in this universe. That would not surprise me that God made a universe like that. Amen. Well, if it's in his image, it makes sense, right? I, I agree. I agree. Do you have anything else to say to our listening audience of Christian believers, full of faith people, anything you could do to encourage them and encourage them to read your book? Well, I I guess I would say this, that um, God has created this fascinating universe for us to live in. And very often the way scientists, a lot of times scientists just get so caught up in studying and understanding the fascination of that, that they don't often step back and ask those bigger questions of, okay, what does this say? And, and, uh, you know, are we part of something bigger? And so that's why as Christians, if we can be in those fields, uh, you know, physics, chemistry, biology, medical, mathematics, engineering, all of those fields, we have this great opportunity to spread the gospel to people who otherwise might not listen because they're taught that the Bible doesn't have anything worthwhile saying. So by, you know, my hope in reading the book is that it stimulates Christians to think deeply about these things, but also to recognize that there's no place we're going to think so deeply and study so much that we're going to find out that Christianity's wrong. In fact, we're going to find out that it's true, Mm -hmm. and that will strengthen your faith as well as equip you to share it with others. Well, you've been around scientists your entire life. Don't you find that those that study the hardest and are the most contrary at the beginning almost always end up full of faith? You know, I, I have seen that uh, very often that the that the barriers to believing in Christianity uh, sometimes are intellectual, but often it's that becomes the way to escape, to run away from something else. And so, you know, very, very people who are very much antagonistic towards Christianity often by being around Christians who can interact and engage with them, 
they do. They're, that's that's the mechanism God used to to persuade them and draw them into the faith. And so mm-hmm. that that again is just illustrator points out to me the importance of Christians being involved in these fields, so that we can be part of the work that God is doing there. So I've got to address this question with you because you're brilliant. But what what about this carbon dating as it relates to creation? What what is your scientific opinion of carbon dating? I think it's a fascinating tool that is very good at ex- or helping us date things within the last thirty to 40,000 years. Okay. Um, radioactive, radioisotope dating has a great utility, um, helps us kind of put timescales on things. But again, the reason why it works is because of how reliably God upholds creation. And so mm-hmm. it's, I believe it's a tool that God's given us to actually validate what's going on in Scripture so that people who might not otherwise listen to the Bible can say, hey, you know, hey, science actually affirms what the Bible's saying in places, and so we can listen to it in those places where we can't necessarily have all the data right now. So so I I think it's a powerful tool. So do we have an old Earth or a young Earth? I I come down on an old Earth perspective. My my perspective is is that God's revealed himself in Scripture very clearly, and that is the supreme authority to everything it speaks. But God, in the Scriptures, it tells us that God's revealed himself in creation. And so when we properly understand those two, they're going to agree with one another. And the, the understanding I have that best integrates all of the data is an old Earth perspective. But I, I can see why some people take a young Earth perspective. Uh, I just think it, it's a little bit more challenged to deal with some of the data from creation in that view. Right, and it's it opens up a lot of opportunities to uh, wander into faith if you go real old Earth because there's so many more questions. Possible, yeah, but uh, again, that my conviction is that if you're genuinely seeking out what God has to say, that um, there's no place we can explore and dig into his creation where we're going to find a contradiction in who he is. Mm-hmm. And so often my studies in creation from an older perspective have been crucial for me being more confident in the validity of Christianity. And so, uh, you know, God's, God's revelation is going to be consistent as we study it, but we can always find ways to uh, disagree with it and decide to not, to not listen to it. So I want to take you to some of these classes with me where I get asked these hard questions, and I'm just going to say, I believe what he believes. <laughs> you can say it real gooder. <laughs> I really like well, that. Is, Go ahead. That's good to know. That is part of my job. But, you know, again, I... A lot of it is just because I've had the opportunity to, but I've been forced to ask those questions. And so as I've wrestled, the clearer it becomes to me, the easier it is to articulate it to somebody. So I appreciate you having me on and, uh, you know, taking the time to read my book, just because I think that uh, I just I've just encourage that people are able to read it. Hopefully it encourages them. So I, I think it's real, not just for science types or the wanderers out there that want to know if we're alone in the universe, but, but for all those who want to think and to contemplate yeah. things they haven't thought about before and have some time to read and study. And I, I just think it's fascinating, and I was looking forward to interviewing you, and you should not disappoint. Well, I'm glad to hear that. So it's, it's enjoyed the conversation today. I did, too. So the book is Is There Life Out There by Jeff Zwernick. His website is reasons.org. That's where you can buy the book and find out more about what Jeff's up to, reasons.org. You can also buy it on Amazon. So I just, I'm so excited to have you on the show and really appreciate your time. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Green, and I look forward to talking with you again sometime. 
Regent University is one of the fastest growing universities in the nation, experiencing 21% growth from summer 2016 to summer 2017. This fully accredited university offers associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees within an innovative learning environment that includes the option of enrolling solely on campus in Virginia Beach, Virginia, 100% online, or using a blend of both. Since its establishment in 1978, Regent has equipped 23,000 alumni from 125 countries to become accomplished professionals. Guided by a mission of Christian leadership to change the world, the school prepares students with the knowledge to excel and the faith to live with purpose. To learn more or request information, visit www.learn.regent.edu. That's www.learn.regent.edu. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.